Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at antiochatx.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. There's something powerful about church being a safe place, being a refuge. And something that we really long for you to experience is the unshakable truth that Jesus is glad that you're here regardless of how you got here and and that you might be here this morning and you might hear things that you don't necessarily believe in but you don't have to believe in everything we believe in to belong here there's a place for you there's a space for you in your journey um, and, and we're just glad that you're here we hope that you feel accepted we hope that you feel alive we hope that you feel refreshed Uh, We hope that your heart takes a deep breath, uh, and we really do hope that you leave this place feeling like, wow, that was kind of like a really big family reunion with a bunch of people that I've never met, but I can't wait to see next week. So if this is your first time, and welcome, uh, we we really are glad that you'd come and hang out with us. You you came on a great Sunday. This is the beginning of a new series of talks. Can I get an amen? Uh, And so we are starting a new series of talks over the next five weeks and we're calling this series Clockwork. Everybody say TikTok. We're calling this series Clockwork because I'm wondering if anyone has ever had any questions around the timing of God. Right? Have you ever said like, God, why now? Or maybe you've said, God, why not now? Right? I mean, has anyone had any questions, wondering over the issue of the timing of God. And so what we want to do over these next couple of weeks is really, man, it's taking them a long time to turn the lights on. I mean, there's just a couple of switches. Um, are we working on it? Yeah, we are. Okay, wonderful. Love it. It's great. I just love seeing you guys. You dress up for church. I appreciate that. Your best t-shirts. Uh, it really makes me feel loved. Okay, so um, we, we're diving into this reality of the timing of God, looking at five characters, you look beautiful, five characters in Scripture over the next five weeks. And and, and we really hope that we all leave this time with a little bit bigger of an understanding of, of what does it mean for us to understand and maybe rest in and maybe wait well in the timing of God. Because I think we would all agree that timing is everything. How many of you watched the national championship game, Alabama versus Georgia? Not, a, not that many sports fans. That's okay. Judgment will be relegated to later. Uh, no, so it was an incredible game. It went into overtime, and the game was won by Alabama on a long pass. And it caught the receiver in stride, and he just strolled into the end zone. Alabama won because of perfect timing. That ball was thrown in the right place at the right time, and the receiver was in the right place at the right time. And because they were in the right place at the right time, success, right? But what happens if the receiver was a step off? What happened if the quarterback would have thrown it a step too far? The success of that play was relegated on the timing of that play. Timing is everything. Right? And we see this also in the marketplace. How many business people in the house, people working towards a business degree maybe. The market revolves around timing. Like this is, have you ever encountered a product that was just in the wrong time? 
It just was too early. It was a great idea. It wasn't the idea that was bad. It was the timing of the idea that created the environment for it to fail. There's a website that was called sixdegrees.com. Started in 1996. Sixdegrees.com was the very first attempt at a social network. It had pages for your friends, friends list, affiliations with schools. Sounds familiar, right? But in 1996, there wasn't infrastructure for the internet to be what it was when Facebook came along. So sixdegrees.com failed royally, but Facebook, same idea, different time, changed the world. Timing is everything. You can have the right idea, right thought, wrong time, and it's not going to work. Right idea, right time, and anything can happen. My relationship with my beautiful, sexy wife right here, Elizabeth. The first year of us getting to know each other could be summed up in the idea of the timing was not right. Now, we met at a wedding. Some of you have heard this story. We met at a wedding. I very smoothly went up to her and gave her the hottest pickup line ever given to any human being. And I had her from hello, right? It's not exactly what happened, but I have the mic. So we're just going to roll with it. But the truth was is that I saw her, and from the second I laid eyes on her, I was convinced She's the one for me. In my mind, the timing was now. Okay? She was not feeling my timing. And so literally for a year, I would pursue her and, you know, give her those eyes. You know the eyes? We'd be at church and I'd try to get next to her and worship, you know, and try to get the finger graze. Just let her know I was there. Anytime anybody would go pray for her, I would be there, making sure I was laying hands on her. No room for the Holy Spirit. I'm in there. I'm making it happen. I'm having words. I'm recycling words, trying to be impressive, right? You ever heard somebody else give somebody a prophetic word? You're like, man, that's a great word. And you're like, I'm going to use it. And so I'd go over to Liz. I'm like, I got a word for you. And I would just recycle. I'm trying to be impressive. I'm doing everything I can. I start thinking. Man, she's feeling the same way. And I'm like, hey, let's go on a date. She looks at me square in the eyes. She's like, we will never be more than friends. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to give it a little bit more time, right? Because timing is everything. So I wait a little bit, and I, I, I keep doing my deal. The prayers are getting longer, right? The, 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 I, I would position myself next to her so that in prayer circles I could hold her hand and, and hope that there would be like sparks that fly when she touches my sweaty palm, you know, and I'm doing everything I can to try to make the timing right. And again, I start thinking like, wow, man, she's got to be into me now. She, this is, I am laying it on so thick. And I got game, okay? You know, I'm coming from experience of having game. So I'm like, okay, this is going to be it. And so I ask her again. And she's like, J.D., we will never, ever, Look me in the face. Ever be anything more than friends. This happened multiple times. That very same conversation happened over and over and over for the first year of us knowing each other. Now, here's the thing. Timing is everything. I don't know what happened. I'm sure there was a lot of factors that happened. She woke up to the reality of my looks. 
She, she, she heard the depth of my intercession. She was impressed with my worship. I don't know what it was, but all of a sudden, one day, she realized that maybe she actually might be into me. And so we start year two of knowing each other in a completely different place, heading in a completely different direction because the timing was right. Timing is everything. Right thought, wrong time, nothing happens. Right thought, right time, anything can happen. And I want to spend the the rest of our time this morning diving into a biblical story. I really want to try to summarize, if we can do it, an entire book in the Old Testament that revolves around a young lady who definitely defines this reality that timing is everything. How many of you have heard the name Esther in the Bible? Esther is a very interesting book. One of the things that I found very fascinating as I was studying the book of Esther was that God is not mentioned one time in the entire book. But the hand of God is the theme. The leadership and the sovereign direction of God is the theme of the entire book, yet God is not mentioned by name. Now, for all my history buffs in the house, a couple of historical facts that put this in perspective along the timeline of the Bible. This happens about 100 years after the Babylonian captivity of the people of Israel. They've now been released. Most of the Jews made their way back to Jerusalem, but there was a small community of Jews that found themselves in a place called Susa. Now, Susa at this time was the capital of the Persian Empire. And there's so many plot twists, so many intricacies and amazing things in this book. And I'm not going to be able to dive into any of them, but I want to encourage you to take, or excuse me, we're going to dive into some of them, not all of them, but we will dive into some. I said any. Some of you, Amanda heard that miss, but the rest of you didn't. So we'll edit that out of the podcast. So anyways, we can't go into all of them. So I want to encourage you, take these next days before church next week and read these 10 chapters in Esther. If you like drama, if you like plot twists, if you like crazy people, then you would potentially love this book. But in summary, for the sake of time, I want us to kind of motor through the big rocks in the story so we can get to how timing is everything in Esther's life. The first thing that you need to understand is that there really are four characters that drive this story. First, you obviously have Esther. I'm sure all of you picked up on that. Second, Esther had an uncle. Her, his name was Mordecai, okay? He's really important. You need to know him. You also need to know the third person in our story is the king of Persia. Now, he put the party, he put the P in party, okay? This dude went hard in the paint, loved to drink too much. He was like a frat daddy, okay? And collars probably popped, keggers, headstands, the whole thing, dude. This guy threw down, all right? He was a hardcore partier, all right? Now, the fourth guy, the villain in our story, because every great story needs a villain, right? The villain in our story is this homeboy who's a super creep named Haman, all right? The book opens 180 days into one of the king of Persia's parties. Did you hear how long this party was? 
180 days. Okay, so we launch in to this story 180 days into a bender from this dude, okay? He is absolutely sloshed, been drunk for months, all right? And in this drunken stupor, he says, you know what? I want my wife, Queen Vashti, to come and to dance in front of the party because I want you to see how beautiful she is, okay? Now, Queen Vashti was classy, and she said, no, I'm not going to go do that. You're stupid. So the king of Persia said, well, you can't tell me no, so I'm going to divorce you and decree that nobody in any house can tell a man that they can't do what they want to do. In and of itself, weirdo, all right? So king of Persia, not off to a strong start. Now, to reveal even a bigger side of his heart, he says, hey, you know what we're going to do? I need a new wife, so I'm going to have a beauty pageant. I want all the hot chicks in the land to line up. I'm going to pick the hottest, and she's going to become my wife. And so Esther, this is where she enters the story, hides her Jewish identity and enters the beauty pageant. She ends up winning. Wins, all right? So now she goes from being a nobody to being wealthy to being queen of Persia, right? But she's married to an absolute nut job, okay? So here we have Mordecai. Mordecai enters the scene. Mordecai is the uncle of Esther. Mordecai rises through the ranks to become a political leader in his day. Now, Mordecai is walking through the palace and overhears some attendants saying that they're going to kill the king. Now, you could say, like, that was a coincidence, or you could say, right place, right time. Timing is everything. So he says, hey, king, watch out. These dudes are going to kill you. The king's like, wow, you're amazing. I'm going to kill them, and I'm going to honor you. Thanks for saving my life. You're the man. So now you have Mordecai, political official, saved the king's life, gets credit for it. Esther, from nobody to the queen of Persia, and enter our villain, Haman. Haman was an absolute crazy psychopath. He became buddy-buddies, manipulated his way into the king's inner courts and convinced the king to raise him up to such a high place that literally every time he would enter a room, everyone there would have to bow down and worship him. Mordecai, being a Jew, says, I don't bow down to anybody but my God. So he says, the heck with you, Morde- heck with you Haman. I'm not by- bowing down to you not one time. This obviously infuriates Haman. And Haman says, hey, Mordecai, I'm not just going to kill you. I'm going to plot to kill the entire Jewish race. And this is where we pick up our story. You guys with me? Esther 4, starting in verse 14, famous verse in the book of Esther. This is a conversation that is happening between Esther and Mordecai. Now, remember, The plan had been evoked for a massacre to happen to the Jewish people. Mordecai goes to her and says this in verse 14. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom For such a time as this. Who knows, Esther? Maybe you're in this place for this time. Such a time as this. Timing 
is everything. Right, right place, wrong time, nothing happens. Right place, right time, anything can happen. There's a purpose for your place. Did you hear me? There's a purpose for your place. Timing is everything, okay? You are where you are for a purpose, for a such a time as this purpose. Timing is everything, right? God's in control, shifting and directing our lives because timing is everything. You are placed where you are placed for a purpose. You're in your job right now in the position you're in right now for a purpose. You're in the family you're in right now for a purpose. You live where you live right now for a purpose. You're at the school you're at right now for a purpose. But all of us fight something that's called the tendency to settle. There's something interesting about the place that you're created to inhabit is that just as much as you can feel alive to fulfill what God has called you to in that place, the temptation on the other side is to chill in that place. So you're where you are, and it feels nice to be in that place, and so instead of living to fulfill, we live to chill. And so we settle, and that's the tendency, the temptation to settle. Oftentimes this happens on the back end of breakthrough or favor. You've longed for the promotion that you finally get, and now you are in a moral dilemma that you have a potential to stand for righteousness or what's right, and you are tempted. If I keep silent, just like Esther, I have to live with the fact that I did not fulfill the purpose of the place I was in. But the fact is, to not keep silent can cost you everything. To not keep silent is going to cost Esther everything. Uh, There there was not only the fact that she was married to an emotionally unstable human being who killed people at a whim, but there was a law that no one could enter the courts of the king without an invitation, and here she has information that is critical for the king to hear. And she knows that if she goes and shares it, that the consequence of not keeping silent is potentially death. Now, now we feel this, maybe not to the level of life and death, but we definitely feel the fact that we are tempted to keep silent. We understand the temptation to keep silent when we have opportunities and moments to fulfill the purpose of God where he's placed us. But I think we we get lost in this temptation of just settling because we start thinking that the place that we're in, the place that we've been put, really doesn't have a purpose outside of providing for us. So we think our job is simply the provision of God so that we can live and have finances. We think that the purpose of going to the coffee shop we go to every morning is just to fulfill our need for coffee. That we've stopped living thinking that maybe God put me in the job that I am right now because he knew that the dude that I'm going to be working with, his marriage is going to be falling apart. And he needs to hear the story of Jesus, the light of life, the hope of heaven. And 
Jesus needs to encounter him and rescue him. And then his marriage is going to be put back together again because there's a purpose to your place. You're not in your job just to collect a paycheck. You're in your job to fulfill the purposes of God. Such a time as this. You're all of a sudden in the drama. Go ahead, somebody. You're all of a sudden in the drama of your neighbor's life wondering how in the world am I in the middle of this? And maybe you need to say, such a time as this. That I'm not just here to listen. I'm here to fulfill the purpose of God in my life. I've been placed where I've been placed with a purpose. And that purpose is to see the kingdom of heaven come and invade and change everything around me. You are not where you are by chance. You have been placed with a purpose. Now, Esther ends up doing the very thing we hoped that she would do. She she didn't keep silent. And she actually tells the people, two verses later, Esther 4.16, she says, Go gather all the Jews who are in Susa and have them fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my attendants will fast as you do. And when this is done, I will go to the king. And even though it's against the law, if I perish, I perish. And so she goes and she sets up two banquets and they have one banquet and then they have the second banquet and she breaks down for the king. Hey, did you know that Haman has like made this big plan to like kill all the Jews and he's so heartless that he literally picked the date for the massacre just by throwing dice and they just chose a day and it happened when you were drunk and, and, and it's, it's not right. And the king goes, huh? For real? This can't happen. No, no, no. This can't happen. At the same time, the night before the second feast, the king couldn't sleep. And so he has read to him all the cool stuff that's happened to him. How about that for bedtime reading, right? He's like, hey, I can't sleep. Somebody come read me a story about me. And so in like this, in this story, they, they read the chapter about when Mordecai saved his life. And in the, in the recording of it, it was clear that he hasn't been celebrated for the fact that he saved the king's life. And so Haman shows up, and, and, and the king goes, hey, Haman, look, what should I do to honor, like, the most favored person in the land? Now, Haman thinks that he is planning his own party. So he pulls out all the stops, man. He's like this, and a parade, and this, and confetti, and kegs, and the whole thing. And little does he know that he's planning a party for Mordecai. And so Haman ends up having to parade Mordecai around the city in celebration of him. How about that? Right? So you go from a hopeless to a hope-filled, impossible situation. Why? Because timing is everything. Esther took her moment hostage. She did not allow it to fly past her. She said, no, I'm going to wake up to the fact that I've been placed with a purpose because I am a such a time as this believer. I believe that I'm here to make a difference where I am right now. So we can step into our school, into our job, and we can just be like, hey, guess what? 
such a time as this. We need to start driving around looking for drama. Looking for issues. Looking for people that are fighting and arguing. Looking for marriages that are falling apart. Looking for people that have no life in their face because they've given up. They, they, they have no, no fight left. We need to start walking around looking for them and saying, hey, you don't know me, but guess what? Such a time as this. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, hey, I've been placed with the purpose. So what you need to do is say goodbye to your hopelessness. Say goodbye to your despair because the people of God just showed up. And I have a purpose for this place. And Jesus is about to change you because Jesus changed me. I want you to see something because Esther stood in front of a king on behalf of a people to save them from destruction you see it? Esther stood in front of a king on behalf of a people to save them from destruction. Esther was put in a place to be an advocate for a people. It's exactly what Jesus did for us. Jesus is our advocate. Jesus was risen up to a place to sit on the right hand of the Father and advocate for us and to stand in the gap from the destruction that our sin has caused us to deserve in the plan of the devil that wants to kill, steal, and destroy everything about our lives. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Not this time. Because Romans 5, 6 says, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for an unrighteous person, but for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Timing is everything. Timing is everything. Somebody needs to hear me say, you did not miss Jesus. Jesus did not miss you. You have not run past too far your destiny. Timing is everything at the right time. Maybe you're here this morning for such a time as this, to hear that it doesn't matter what you were addicted to, doesn't matter what you've been into, doesn't matter what you've been running from, doesn't matter the darkness that you feel like is drowning you, such a time as this, God is here, he's come to step in your gap, to advocate to the Father, and by his blood, it says this, we are made clean, so all the shame, all the pain, all the disappointment, all the dysfunction is washed away by the blood of Jesus. It's time. Our God's on time. Come on. I said our God is on time. Right, let me say it again. Our God is on time. I think somebody needs to stand up and declare with me that our God 